Hey, hey, local legends. Welcome to the Why We Run podcast, hosted by me, John Barnes. Today's tale from the pack comes from Martin Heggie, realizing his life wasn't heading in the right direction. And thanks to a little help from David Goggins, Martin started his running journey and has since finished the winter spine and is a 50 kilometer Scottish champion. This is his reason. So basically, I'm Martin Heggie. I'm um, 33 from a town called Whitburn in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. I played football in a team from about the age of 10 uh, up until I was about 27. And then I stopped competing and playing all sports. And drinking became quite a big part of my life and smoking with, it, with my friends as well. We'd casually go to the pub and drugs would be a part of that. So my lifestyle wasn't great. And I became a bit depressed without knowing it. It was just work and just everyday life started to get the better of me because I wasn't competing anymore and playing football. But I didn't really know that at the time. And I listened to a podcast with David Goggins and that kind of sparked something for me. And uh, I remember getting a book called Born to Run and reading that. And then I signed up for Glen Tress Trail Marathon. Uh, that's a high terrain events and down in Peebles. So it's quite a tough marathon. It's two 13-mile loops. I trained from the November till the, the February and just trained myself, maybe knocking about 25, 30 miles a week out and managed to go and complete that uh, as my first marathon. And then I just completely caught the bug. I must have read every book that I could find on running and I wasn't a big reader prior to that. So... I think the first book I managed to actually read was The Ultramarathon Man, and then it took me like a week, so it was also helpful for me to read books uh, and listen to every podcast I could on running, and then just started doing lots of ultras. And during lockdown, I remember I sold my car and got a camper van so that I could just drive to any race and just stay anywhere. I just made it like a big part of my life, and then found that I was getting a new group of friends through this, uh, I still stay in touch with my old friends, but um, I found new friends through running and a totally new lifestyle through it. And that's all happened in the past five or six years. I stopped drinking four years ago. Don't smoke or take any drugs anymore. That's just part of my life now. And it's all down to running and the structure and the routine that running gave me. Yeah, I've managed to go from being a middle-of-the-pack runner to having a really structured training plan and managing it to become quite competitive in races now. And yeah, I absolutely love it. I'd be lost if I didn't find it very much. That's great. Thank you so much, Martin. I'm really keen here because you're one of the first people I've talked to who's a, turned into a front runner. How did the journey start when you started taking up running? You say you were middle of the pack. When did you realise, I can compete here? You know, I'm good at this. To be honest, we, in my first ultramarathon, I was sitting in around about 20th place in the John Muir Ultra. And I remember still trying to chase people and compete in my very first ultra. So I've always been very competitive, but I just didn't have the endurance or the, the knowledge of ultra running, basically. I was always quite ballsy that way. And just through running every single night and just keep on racing and then be getting a coach, it kind of just materialised. And then I think it took me like three years till I won my first ultra. And it was a race where... I DNF'd, it was my first ever DNF, I DNF'd it and then went back and won it the next again year. When I played football, I was fast at football and I remember doing my local races with the school and winning my local race when I was younger, but I never ran at all 
from primary school to secondary school. I never ran at all, no cross country, never done a 5K or nothing up until my first marathon. Um, and then the races that I was picking, like Glen Tresson, that it was quite a, a tough first marathon and I, I hadn't trained. So I was, I, I was always going to be middle of the pack in that. But I think with just applying myself and just being consistent, there's always been maybe a bit of natural ability with speed there. And then just with keeping this consistency and the, the discipline, it's just all rolled together, if you know what I mean. And how did you find it? So going from football, 90 minute sports, the shorter sports, going to these six, seven, eight plus hour events. Mm. How did you find that transition? To start with, I was like a kid in a candy shop. Like, this is amazing. This the whole adventure and running through the night with a head torch on, getting to speak to like people who share the same interests in you and getting to know their background. And because I wasn't, competing and racing I was enjoying it more a little bit it was more of an adventure and more socially and you were getting a good scran and eating all this food and yeah I just really enjoyed the adventure didn't I I just took to just really enjoying it if you know what I mean then the football became a bit uh, every time you'd lace the boots up you were arguing and, and I'd come home and it would be like unless you won you weren't happy and sometimes you could come home and win and you were still weren't happy that we playing football it was yeah, I didn't realise it at the time, but maybe it wasn't as healthy for me as what I thought. And being in a different environment where there's no that same atmosphere, that angry animosity atmosphere on the park, just being in a totally different environment and running and everybody's happy and bouncing off each other, was, I just took to it really naturally. I really enjoyed it. And touching on the, the environment piece, it's quite a big change, right? I mean, going from the lifestyle that you had previously to your current lifestyle and where you are now. How did you find that adaptation? So I remember when I was playing football, we would only train once a week. And I remember used to be like, how can people train six times a week? I remember watching a YouTube blog and there was a guy who was going on holiday and uh, he took his, his running trainers and his training gear with him and he trained every day on holiday. And I'm like, this is, it was quite hard to fathom how people would train six days a week or seven days a week. And I found that quite difficult to start with. And I tried to build the miles up quite early and my body was just breaking. I couldn't handle like 100k weeks or that. I, was, I could never find that consistency. So it took me, say, maybe two years to be able to consistently run the 100k's every week. And I had to learn how to control my runs as well and not put everything into the same session. Yeah, so it did take a couple of years to be able to, my body be able to handle the load almost. I remember going out for a 10-mile run on like a Thursday night one time and then on the Friday at my work, I could hardly walk. And it was just a 10-mile run and I remember saying to the, the guys I worked with, he's a break, I ran 10 miles last night. And I'm like, oh, I can run 10 miles. Everybody was like, like, we thought that was far, do you know what I mean? And then now it's just, I'd go out and do that every night. But at the time, yeah, my body was struggling with a load, yeah. And what advice would you give to listeners in that training phase of not pushing yourself too far or doing something that your body's just not used to yeah it's important to build it up especially you can be running in the wrong type of shoes or anything and do a lot of damage to your knees if you if you go with too high mileage too early so it takes you a while to find out what works best for you the surface that you train on as well it's good to be on trails and and surfaces that are a bit more forgiving than the roads and, and you maybe don't know this when you when you start out so very important to do a lot of your your running at an easy pace as well um, and then have two quality sessions a week 
that's the way that the, the elite athletes train. They don't put everything into the same session, but to start with, you don't know that. And if you start doing that and then couple that up with some high mileage and your body's not used to it, you'll, you'll put yourself off running for forever. You've just got some bad injuries, so I, it is important. There's a lot of research out there, so it's just important that you, you find the right stuff and not, not the wrong stuff. <laughs> it sounds like you've really jumped into this with both feet now. Do you enjoy the training, the structure it gives you? Or are you more about the events and the results? No, well, I really enjoy the the structure and the routine. Like, it fills my time well. And I always remember saying, somebody said to me, you'll never, ever come in for a run and regret it. You'll never, ever come in for a run and say, I wish I shouldn't have done that run. So you always feel good after your runs. It's like brushing my teeth now. It just became so much of a daily. Like, even if I wasn't racing and I, and I wasn't coached and I wasn't in a training plan and, I would still just go out and run for the joy of it. Um, the racing, that's just a bonus. And it's good to catch up with all your friends. Because the, the running group in Scotland is quite a small community. It's not too big. So you get to see the same faces at events. So it's good to catch up with your friends. And on the day, just let loose for your training programme. So it's just a bonus for me now. The trainings, I really enjoy my training. There's some sessions where you're a wee bit like oh this is going to be hard tonight but I'm never ever dreading sessions I'm never ever not looking forward to it I'm always looking forward to getting out and running um, no matter what the weather is or that just always feel good when you get back I think that's the key to sustainability there where so many people will train for an event and then they'll do the events and then they'll hang up their trainers and never run again I remember I did my first marathon Brighton marathon back almost 10 years ago now and I didn't do another event for seven, eight years afterwards. And I hated running at that point because it was just focused on that event rather than just getting out there and enjoying being out in nature. Can you break down how your training blocks look leading into an event for you? Uh, yeah, I can totally get what you mean by that. Be doing your marathon uh, 10 years ago and then everything would have been structured and you would have been focused on your watch and your splits. And whereas we're, we're ultra running, it's a bit more uh, a social thing and an adventure. So I got into that to start with, and then that's how I caught the bug, the adventure bug almost. So for a week for me, going into, uh, leading up to like an event, I usually try and manage between 100k and 120, 130k a week, between 60 and 80 miles a week. And then that would last for like eight weeks with maybe three weeks to go. I would peak at like 90 miles, and then I would start to taper for two weeks. But my taper, I would just reduce the intensity and the volume, but I would still keep the structure up. So I'd start, I'll still go out and run most days on my taper, but I won't have the intensity or the volume that I had in the seven weeks to the prior. And the, on the daily, so it'll be two or three easy runs, um, and that'll be like eight or nine miles with my heart rate underneath 140, and my pace will be about eight and a half minute mile pace, and that'll just challenge you. should be able to hold a conversation and... Uh, no exerting yourself and then I'll have two quality sessions where I'll do a tempo session and an interval session and then I'll have a long run sometimes I'll have back-to-back long runs and then I'll, I'll usually have a rest day as well that's how it usually looks so it's not the same every it's always always different my runs kind of mix it up if I'm leading for like a trail ultra I'll go and do like uh, my long runs on the West Highland Way and into the Pentlands and go and get into that type of environment. If I'm doing like a fast flat ultra, then I would go and keep my long runs on the flats and just kind of replicate the race that I'm going to be doing. 
it's quite hard to transition from trail to, to road. Sometimes people find that quite awkward, though, so yeah, try to manage that. Do you enjoy the continuous races or the multi-stage races more? I've done the spine race, and yeah, that's probably been the, one of the best four or five days of my life. I really enjoyed that. I would, I've definitely got unfinished business that I will go back and do that, maybe four year, five year or so. But I really enjoyed it. It's a great adventure, and uh, I do enjoy that. Just because um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the 100k, I want to get a fast 100k flat time, and then maybe go into the 24 hour track racing. So I enjoy that stuff as well. I enjoy trying to push to a limit and then holding it. Just seeing how long you can push yourself for. I'm glad you mentioned the spine race. I was really keen to get into this with you because I, I, I'm new to ultras right the last six months or so. I only found out about the spine after it happened this year. Can you describe it to any listeners that don't know about it? And yeah. Break down your experience of the highs <laughs> and the lows. I'll try my best. So it's a 268-mile um, race that starts in January um, and it goes from Edale in England up to Kirk Yefam in Scotland and it runs up the Pennine Way um, so you have 16 hours of darkness and 8 hours of daylight at that time of year the weather's usually really bad and you, you can have named storms and snow and ice there's also a 28 or 29 item kit list that you need to carry which consists of bivy bags, sleeping bags, stove three and a half thousand calories of food on you at all times so you've got a big pack on you and you've got seven days to complete that it's self-supported and you need to self-navigate yeah it's dubbed as britain's most brutal foot race and uh, it lives up to that title it's it's no mean feat it's a tough adventure but so rewarding when you get there at the end what were some of the key lessons that you learned throughout the race that you can use when you go back I learned that you don't need as much sleep as one needs. Um, so we, I teamed up with a, a mate and I've actually became friends for life with this guy. Chris Cowley, he's called. So me and him went for the second last night. We, we didn't stop at the last checkpoint and we just continued through. And it, it ended up that we'd been running for like two days without any sleep. Um, so you never managed doing that in an ultra. So you, I know that you can really push yourself and that fueling as well the fueling on the spine uh, I learned if you're going at a slightly slower pace you can eat real food and that's that's good as well so and the spine race there's a lot of hiking in that as well eh? so yeah they put on a lot of good food so there's only six checkpoints along the full 268 mile and when you get into each of these checkpoints you're allowed eight hours in them and they make you food and then they'll have somewhere for you to sleep if you want to sleep so it's just about managing yourself when you get into those checkpoints. That's probably the difference between being able to be up at the top of the race as well as not to spend too much time in those checkpoints and just use your time very wisely when you're in there. Sounds incredible. In some of your events, you mentioned earlier DNF in an event and I mean, some of the events, there must have been moments of doubt. How do you push yourself through or not let yourself get too caught up in negatives as they happen? I always try and keep positive mindset, but I always think about like the next mile and then when you've covered, um, I, don't, I don't know how to put it. It's like compartmentalising the race. Uh, sections. Well, it's, it's like break it down. So I don't ever think about if I'm running like 
uh, 100 miles. I'll never, I'll never be 100. I'll always be like, the next five miles, and then the next five miles, and then the next five miles. I never, ever use the full distance in my mind. I always just break it down to smaller sections. It's always good to have the doubters, the people that have doubted you in your mind as well, and then tick them off when you get to a certain point. That all plays a part in my mind as well. But yeah, I really like to break the race down into smaller sections. I find that helps me a lot. That's a really good point. And when we talk about mindset, I have to talk to you quickly about David Goggins. You mentioned him early on as a key factor getting you into running. What was it in particular that resonated with you through his podcast and the book that you read? I got the message from him that hard work and discipline it will pay off, basically, and that it's not going to happen overnight. There's almost like a, a birthday runners from David Goggins. There'll be a lot of people who have got into running through him, and uh, I think it's just a similar message. I always remember him saying that it's, on, it's no good being motivated because that only lasts for a short period of time. You've got to be driven, um, and driven will be mean when, when you open the door and it's, it's miserable out there, you don't go back in, you'll just put another layer on. That type of stuff resonates with me, just the consistency and the hard work and the grind. What advice would you then give to runners looking to take that first step? Just to start out and enjoy it. To start with, don't go into like splits and looking at a watch all the time and just go out and enjoy it to start with. Get in friends or find friends that want to go out running with you, go into the hills and just get yourself into new places in nature, go out and catch a sunrise in the morning while you're running, all these type of things add to running. And for racing, I would say one of the biggest tips I can give, I see people at the start of a lot of ultras and a lot of races with far too much weight on their packs and in their packs. And I think to myself, there's no way you need all of that for this race. <laughs> you're going to get to the end of the race and you're going to have half of that stuff still in your bag. So just... Don't take too much stuff with you because it's going to weigh you down and don't overthink it. I remember doing a 180 mile race and I wore the wrong socks and shoes and I changed my shoes and socks like half an hour before the race and I was going to wear this pair that I had lined up. I changed it half an hour before the race and I made a big error. So don't overthink it and don't make last minute changes and go with what you've been doing in training because that's what you're used to. It sounds so simple but the amount of that will say, I'll just wear these or just change this right before the race. And yeah, don't carry too much stuff that you're not going to need in the race. I'm the most guilty of that. I'll pack the kitchen sink, thinking, just in case I need it. And then I think in the the nerves before a race, you start second guessing everything, right? Particularly when you're new to the sport. And yeah, I remember the one of the first events I did was 164 miles on the Jurassic Coast. I mean, I, I got withdrawn medically, DNF to sort of 60 miles in, but I was carrying a bag and I checked this one of the competitors afterwards. It was like three times the weight of other people. You know, in my head, it made sense because I was like, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? I had this whole spreadsheet of what if events. At some point, you've kind of just got to say, you're out there just to have a nice run in the country. If something happens, then you're not generally in the middle of absolute nowhere you'll find a way to get to somewhere without needing every piece of kit that you can think of it's a really useful tip definitely there you'll find that after you do maybe five or six races you'll find that you keep using like the same similar stuff over and over again you're like well i've been taking this and i never really use that so just stop taking those type of items you know what I mean? 
this again goes from being football to to long distance. How did you find nutrition and hydration? I struggled big time with that. The best I've found um, my nutrition has probably been in the spine because I was going at a slower pace in the spine and I was eating like real, it was over four days and 18 hours. So I, had, I was eating like lasagna at the checkpoints and that. And I coped really well with that. But like in the West Highland Way race, I got to mile 71 and then I was sick for the last 25 mile. And it absolutely ruined my race. I just couldn't take in any fluids or nothing. And I've had GI distress quite a few times. But it's took me a few a few years, but I've managed to kind of get on top of it. My training block for this race coming up has been good. And the my nutrition and my feelings went a, a bit better. I find that every, everybody's different. What works for me might not work for you. And also, um, you need to kind of train your yourself on the fuel. There's no point in just say you're going to do it on gels and there's no point in buying gels on the Wednesday before the race and then just going out. It's not going to work. You need to train yourself and train and, and replicate the pace you're going to be running it and using the fuel that you want to be using in the race um, and do it all prior to it. There's no point in just trying it on on race day because the chances are your stomach's not going to handle it. Yeah, I always find it in the heat as well. It's, it's a lot harder to fuel, uh, so it's harder to eat. You get like palate fatigue. So yeah, I think fueling's one of the, the hardest parts of ultra running. And it's uh, a constant work in progress because what works for your one race I remember grapes being very good in a 24-hour race and then another time I tried grapes and I was just couldn't really stomach them. I'm sure I was sick the next race when I had them. So what works for you once might not work for you the second time either. It's just weird. That's a really key piece of information because when I started this off, I just looked online and it was saying, right, you need to have like 90 grams of carbs an hour to replenish mm-hmm. all the stores and these pieces. I'm quite fortunate I managed to get across and have a test for fueling to see at what heart rates, what fuels your body's using. And I found yeah. out that for me, because I do a lot of fasted training, yeah. up to about 150 beats per minute, my body is using fats. It doesn't Which, be using carbs to above that. And in, in an ultra, for me, I'm barely running above 150 beats per minute. Yeah. And I was eating like 90 grams of carbs, stocking up on energy bars and gels and things like that. And the first few ultras, I felt horrendous the whole way through. And it was because my body wasn't using it correctly, but it works for other people. But having that knowledge and how your body actually uses fats is well worth a bit of research into because it's your real point that everyone is different. So you have to have a look at that. Exactly. Your heart rate might be higher in one day than it might be in the other. So you might be burning a different source of fuel. I.e. fat stores or carbs. So yeah, it's a working order. It's a, it's a complicated one. <laughs> so we talked about the spine. What other events have been your favourite to date? The West Highland Way Race in Scotland. It's, it's a magic, magic race and that people, they call it the West Highland Way Race family. Everybody's just bounces off each other and it's a great weekend and you're, you need a crew for the race. So your crew is part of it as well. So that's probably my favourite race. And uh, there's a wee one in Scotland called the Sky Trail Ultra. And that was my first ultra that I won. So that's uh, there's maybe only ever 30, 30, 40 runners in it because it's such a, it's like small roads and that. So you could never ever have over like 100 runners or even over 50 because it's too small an island. But um, that's a very good race, the Isle Sky Ultra. It's 74 mile. 
very hilly and then yeah that in the West Island way and then the spine but I do want to broaden my horizons I would like to go and do future races I'd really like to go and do Badwater and Spartathlon so they're two races that I'd really like to do and then UTMB is a bucket list for everyone but in Western States as well, uh, I was in the, I managed to get a lottery ticket. So I had one lottery ticket from the West Highland Warriors last year. And I was sitting patiently watching it all. And you see people with like eight and nine tickets. You're like, I have no chance. So I didn't get picked out last year. But yeah, Western States as well. So they're like bucket list races for me in the future. How about the Barclay? I'm not the greatest at map reading. <laughs> I like my, I rely on my Garmin. Yeah, quite bad for using, uh, relying on the Garmin. So the last takes the Garmin off, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't really go to that. I'd probably be trying to hang on to another one. I'll just use the name as Nav. I've done that in races before. <laughs> one last question for you then, Myers. I mean, you've come a long way in sort of five years since you started running. Do those days beforehand, like the drink, the drug prior, do they feel like a lifetime ago now? It does. Uh, I, I know that like, I could never go back to that. But because I still stay in the same town and I still see all the same people and they still do all the activities, I don't dislike any of them. I don't look down on any of them for it. So it seems a lifetime ago to me, but I can still see all my friends doing it and everybody else doing it. So it's still there, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I'm I'm in a much happier place now. And uh, as I said, even if I didn't compete on that, I would be volunteering at events. And I'd much rather be in bed early and going to a race than in a pub type of thing sitting so it's just no me it's just no me I found my calling and it's running so yeah even if I didn't compete in race anymore I wouldn't go back to that for my life I would just find my way to be about um, running or events and give back to the community type of thing amazing thanks so much for your time before I let you go on I've just got some quick fire questions for you are you ready go for it trail or road trail wind or rain rain Hot or cold? Cold. Uphill or downhill? Downhill. Music or nature? Nature. Solo or group? I enjoy social group runs, but uh, if I'm racing or that, then I'm always solo. But I enjoy, I've got a group of mates. I love going running with mates and that as well. So at the weekend, and it's an easy run, group run with mates all the time. But um, 90% of my runs are done solo, so I don't mind running solo either. But yeah, I love a group run with mates. Well, I bet when you're training, man, there's very few people that can really keep up with you when you're going at a pace. So, <laughs> so solo absolutely makes sense. Cakes, sweets, or lasagna? Probably lasagna. I like lasagna, <laughs> especially if it's the Alston lasagna for the stone, then that's a no-brainer. Thanks so much, man. Cheers for that. Keep up the good work, man. Brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Thanks very much. And local legends, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like or follow on whatever platform you listen to. We'll be back next week with another inspiring tale from the pack. Happy trails all.